The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host for today's episode, Don DeLorente, and you can find Know the Score on CSPN.us. You can also follow us on Twitter at KTS Pod. I'm joined by the whole team today, so we're going to start off with ladies first. Miss Jesse, nice to see you again. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Let the folks know where they can follow you on Twitter. Sure. I'm at That's So Jesse, and I think at other places too, but That's So Jesse. Yep. All right. All right. And of course, we've got my uh, shooting guard always on my wing out here. We've got Mr. Tyler Ball. What's going on, Tyler? Hey, guys. Uh, you can find me at CA Ball number one. On Twitter, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on today, so I'm eager to get started. All right, and of course, we got the man who's always coming in, getting clean up, knocking them in. None other than Nabaz Wilborn. What's up, Nabaz? Man, what's up, man? Don't try to find me, man. Hey, I'm telling you, hey, I'm gunning for you. Talk that shit. I'm coming. Hey, but remember, my Twitter's in Wilborn19. It's N W I L B O R N one nine. Hit me up. You talk that shit. I'm coming for that ass. So let's go. All right, all right. So we're gonna start off with a uncommonly busy week in sports right before the start of NFL training camp. So we're going to start with Hugh Freeze. He had to uh, resign from Ole Miss. He was forced out. Um, They were Ole Miss as a program has been under the microscope of the NCAA. They're under um, investigation. They have like 21 violations that they're up for. Um, It happened to be uncovered through a defamation lawsuit of the old coach, Houston Nutt, and through phone records and things like that, it was uncovered that Hugh Freeze on the company phone was making calls to various escort services. There was at least one call for sure that was traced to that escort service. And, you know, the things from there just spiraled out of control. So he was forced to resign. So we'll start with the bias. SCC country, big town football right before the season. For this to happen, um, this is a big blow to Ole Miss. And, you know, people had kind of thought that Hugh Freeze was kind of doing things a little shadily underneath the radar. So just kind of think, you know, the jokes, you can make those and, and just talk about the impact of the program as well. Well, I mean, I don't really have too many jokes for it because quite honestly, it's kind of a shame we live in a world where somebody can get fired for allegedly, you know, using sex workers, allegedly. Because we don't, we really don't know what those phone calls were to those women. I we have to assume that they were bad because I mean they fired him for him. So I'm really curious. I'm also curious to see when they're gonna do a FOIA request on those on his text messages. This came out, and by the way, FOIA is the Federal Freedom of Information Act. You know what I'm saying? F O I A. So that's a FOIA request. Anybody can make one, and that's what Houston Nut did. Well, at SEC Media Day, where they basically said, you know, all of the infractions or alleged infractions were on Houston Nut. Hello, man, Houston. I was like, hey, hold on. You're not going to be besmirching my good name in these streets. Now, not to say that Houston didn't cheat on his own. Let's be real, man. Look, they all cheat. I mean, that's just what the game is, particularly in the SEC. I mean, we come on, man. We know it. You see, you know what I'm saying? You see these 19, 20-year-old kids riding around in, you know, beamers and stuff. Come on. You, you know you know, you know what the game is. Old Miss got too good, too quick conference. I mean, they beat Alabama twice. Come on, bro. You think they're going to let that ride? Like, that's not how the game goes. Like, Ole Miss isn't supposed to beat Bama ever, and they damn sure aren't supposed to beat them twice in three years like they did. They aren't supposed to be getting guys like Robert Kendichi. They aren't supposed to get guys like Larry Tunsil. 
So yeah, people people were looking at that. I mean, if you ever been to Oxford, Mississippi, I mean, they're still running that Confederate BS. So I mean, let's be one hundred. Yeah, they they changed the mascot from Johnny Reb to a panda bear, whatever that damn thing is. But the roots of the Confederacy still run strong, run strongly through Oxford, and it's Oxford, Mississippi. And they get these boys from Atlanta. They get these boys from Dallas and Houston and all these places, man. Like people knew people knew that you know what I'm saying that the game was cloudy with them, but you know. They got flagrant, so they got caught up. I personally don't have a problem with Hugh Freeze allegedly, you know, hitting up these um, escort services or whatever. It's also funny that it becomes an escort when it's a white dude, right, with money. Because if it was a young black dude, with, you know, it'd be some hookers or some hoes. You know what I'm saying? I guess I can say that on, on here, right? But that's what, they would, that's, that's what they would say. They wouldn't call it an escort service. All, all everything aside, man, you know, it's a sad way to go. And can you imagine going home and explaining to your wife that not only do you not have a job, because typically these coaches get buyouts. Typically they get that they get that money. So not only you don't, not only you ain't got no job, because you was out here allegedly tricking off. Ooh, buddy, his house is not going to be a happy home for a very <laughs> Jesse. Jump in. Just um, it was like a bombshell. What that happened like Wednesday night, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know nothing was. It was really a slow night. Nothing was going on, and then good old Hufi Freeze just popped up. Everybody's Twitter feed, like, here's something for y'all. Yeah, so, I mean, whether or not this was, I love the whole thing is, like, the, the area code slip-up. So I'm looking at my phone right now. The 8 is kind of far from the 3. The 8 on 3 and the 313 connections. Like, that's kind of, anyway. But um, please don't do business on, the, I mean, I was, you know, just been listening, catching up what was going on with that story. The SEC, you know, Business in the SEC just seems so petty. And slipping up like that and find, having Houston not find a way to, you know, you know what, you, I mean, you thought you were going to end me, I'll end you back. It's kind of crazy. And how, like, it's just the pettiest way. Like, oh, I know what I could do to get you out. It's like they know every little shortcut to, you know, out-petty each other in the SEC. So. Oh, and, and look, and don't forget on this, one of the issues was that Q Freeze was going around members. You know what I'm saying? That it was his fault. He was throwing shade on this game. I mean, so yeah, you could say Houston Nut was being petty, but he was also protecting. Yeah, that's right. No protect- I got no problem with the man protecting his name. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because basically what you're saying is not only did Hugh Freeze cheat, but he still sucked because the team still sucked. So you can't <laughs> have Hugh Freeze out here looking like that, man. I, I, I'm not mad at that man. And like I said, I mean, that there's a reason why the four year act exists. It exists to hold people in power accountable. And Hugh Freeze. Has had a lot of power, a lot of money. So yeah, like he deserves to be held accountable, and he got got. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yep. But him, like like he did it, and Houston nut, knowing how knowing how the laws work. Now he probably did have a journalist or two help him out, but that's a whole other conversation because very few people actually know how to fill out a FOIA request. I've done several of them, and they aren't easy. And you have to be very specific in what you're asking for. I got. I, I know career journalists who can't fill out a proper FOIA request. So Houston Nut definitely got some help in that thing, as far as and knowing what to ask for. So nine ten, somebody been running name off a little too much, and he got caught up. Now, Tyler, jump in and I just talk about how everybody can learn the lesson. Don't do anything that might be considered illegal, flagrant, or will get you fired on company phones or internet. And we've had this in <laughs> HR. I've signed so many agreements, uh, and I, you know, with my my current 
current position, I had to do that as well. Uh, it's it's just standard operating procedure for you to, uh, as we call it in the business, CYA. Uh, what really got me with Freeze is that not only was he out besmirching be uh, Houston Nuts name, he also did it under the guise of being a man, a quote unquote man of faith. And he was very defiant about this. Uh, you know, you should trust your kids with me because I have a certain moral standard that I want these, uh, these athletes to go by. And I think because he was selling that, he gets all the jokes, not to mention you had the Kandichi situation where, you know, those guys were just, you know, the guys were misbehaving, guys were just misbehaving, just being kids. But to sell yourself on a faith-based relationship and selling these parents on this type of stuff, that I think is going to carry on with Freeze, even as he goes into getting a, you know, another gig, because he's going to get another chance somewhere. I don't know if he's going to do the redemption tour or, you know, maybe go to a, an FCS program or even do some speaking engagements and say, well, this was, this was, you know, my fall. And, you know, he could theme it that way. But I think this is more of the fact that he, not only did he do the cup, do this personal business on his phone, but I think that it goes totally against his recruiting mantra of being a man of faith. And I think he's going to have to not only reconcile that with his wife, but with his own personal demons. All right. So, yep. Um, you know, upheaval in the SEC. So, you know, their season will probably be one that'll have a lot of eyes on it. And, you know, hopefully the guys can put all that behind them and just have a good season on the field, perform, stay injury free as much as possible. So it's always hard for the players in the situations like this when there's, scandal and coaching changes and things like that because a lot of their routines have to change up and makes it hard for them so that's who i look at in these times so as we'll go from one person who claims to be a man of faith to a person who says he's found new faith and that's oj simpson as he was released on parole uh this week as oj simpson will be coming home in october after serving his nine years in nevada corrections for an armed robbery of what he defiantly says was his stuff um, so just, you know, is this the final chapter of OJ for everybody? Can we, you know, can OJ just fade into black and and live a whatever normal life can be lived for OJ at 70 years old? Tyler, since you got the last word, we'll let you start off again with this one. Um, I think that it remains to be seen. Everything that, that Simpson stood up and said at a parole hearing, which defied all convention because generally at parole hearings, you don't talk. You answer what you're being asked. This was almost a clown show. I mean, you can talk about uh, one of the parole officers wearing a Kansas City Chiefs tie when when he was when he was participating in the hearing. Uh, you can go to the fact that oh, that Simpson just he basically gave a monologue of the case, which was which was pointless. Uh, but then what got me was Simpson actually trying to justify being out on parole by saying that he has lived a quote-unquote conflict-free life. Okay, OJ, really? Come on now. Um, just the, the fact that he remains defiant 
and some say delusional. I say defiant. He really, I really believe that he is, he's just committed to his principles and saying that he, number one, did not kill uh, Ron and Nicole, uh, Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman. He also believes that he was in the right as far as this, uh, this particular incident in Vegas where he was arrested for. Uh, you know, even after serving his time, it just amazes me to see how defiant he is. I was. I would hope that he would take this advantage to actually go be with his family and kind of fade into the sunset. But I'm not really sure. There are too many opportunities for him out there because we care about OJ so much, and we meaning all the elements, the people, society itself, uh, the media. And, and, you know, because that case was so large and it shaped how it shaped American media today. So. We're always going to care about OJ, and I just think it wouldn't be him if he didn't use that to take advantage of it until um, until the end of his life. Okay. Jessica, what are your feelings about OJ? Uh, as Tyler was kind of just touching on there, um, in the essence, OJ was the very first, you know, reality TV, the OJ trial. It was on every day. You know, you could see what was happening in real time, and, you know, it kind of spawned cable news, court TV, all the kind of things that are like, quote unquote, real live events kind of all have, you know, the central thing of the OJ trial and that bringing you some level of being famous as, you know, judges and prosecutors and everybody associated with that trial got famous. So kind of, did you think that OJ would still have that type of drawing power in 2017, which he did as everybody shut their networks down to show this parole hearing? I don't think so. Personally, um, for me, I, I guess I'm going to see a different vantage point from you guys because I don't remember the trial. I have no like recollection of how people were acting. I just remember, I mean, my first memory was like, oh, he's guilty. My mommy, didn't he kill someone? I feel like I, for me, it was, even like in jail, it's not even so much as a, oh my God, it's OJ. I mean, there's still an element of that, but not in the like the grand desk from what I've seen from recounts of back in, you know, the 80s when he was hitting, um, when, you know, he was still a major celebrity who could still have pull in Brentwood. So, sure, I think we look at it not as so much as, like, a we care. It's just, like, a how does the circus get any more worse than it already has? Nabias, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, give us your thoughts on uh, OJ, the phenomenon. Um, 1995, people were gathered around to see if he was going to go to jail. And then in 2017, people were gathered around again to see if he was going to get out of jail. Ah, geez, so many thoughts. Well, first of all, man, OJ never, OJ should not have been in jail for so long for what he did. I mean, clearly mm-hmm. they tried to get back at him for allegedly getting off with Ronnie Nicole's murder. And I say allegedly because I don't, I don't like liable suits. Do I think that OJ did it? He probably did. But, I mean, you know, the court couldn't prove it for a lot of different reasons that I don't even feel like getting into today. But bottom line is OJ got off of that. And he also should not have been in jail for so long for this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was his stuff and they it got stolen from him. Now, you know, should he have called the police and handled it? Probably. But, you know, let's be real. I mean, were the police really going to listen to OJ? Like, probably not. You know what I'm saying? So not saying that he was right, but I kind of understand all that, all that being said, I mean, hey, look, man, if, if there's a dollar to be made, OJ going to go make that dollar. I mean, he's going to get his pension money from the NFL. I think they said somewhere between twenty five to $35,000 $35, a month he's going to receive from the NFL. And he deserves that money because, hey, people forget he was an amazing football player at one point. He'll get everybody that money. 
And if he stays in Florida, you know, the Goldman family can't check his house. So, I mean, he's 70 years old. I mean, what, what do we want from this man? But, you know, yeah, if there's a dollar to be made, then he's going to go make that dollar. Why? Because why not? What's he supposed to do? Like, I get that people want to see him go away, and maybe he should. But whose fault is that? Is it his fault or is it our fault? I say it's our fault. We're the ones that continue. It's, it's, it's like the same thing I say about, um, what's my man, LeVar Ball. We're the ones that keep paying attention to him, put a microphone in his face. He doesn't force us to interview him. And same with OJ. Like, you know, they didn't have to televise that, 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 that hearing. They didn't have to televise it, and we damn sure didn't have to watch it. But we did. We're talking about it here in the, in the second segment of our show. So, again, it's more about us than it's about him. So if he can make some money, get money. Because you know what? A lot of money was made off him. Like I said, Court TV started because of him. All these people started because of him. I mean, you know, ESPN did six days on OJ, 30 for 30. That television show, what, what channel was it, was it on? Oh, yeah, oh, FX. Uh, oh, yeah. FX. FX. They made money off OJ. So Both got nominated Ezra for Cor- awards, yeah. too. Ezra Klein so- got an Oscar off of it. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Ezra Klein. It was a, it was a dope documentary. The show was a good show on FX. But the point is, they made money off OJ, right? They made money off this case. You know what I'm saying? The situation. So you're going to say the man who did it can't make money off of it? Nah. Later for that. Get your money, OJ. Get your money. If there's money to be had, get with get with Chris Jenner. Get you some money. Get your, get your, get your weight up, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you're 70. Shit. Live your life, bro. I mean, not, again, I'm not justifying what he did. And I'm not saying he's a good person. But I am saying that a lot of people made money off of him, so why not him? Right, right. Well, you can help the CSPN and other scorer make a little money by supporting our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon. You can do your shopping through CSPN for Amazon. Just go to our website at CSPN.us. Click on the tab that says Keep the Podcast Free. Then click on the Amazon link. Do your shopping. And whatever you buy, some of the purchase will come back to us to help keep the podcast on CSPN and thus know the score free for you every week. So CSPN and Amazon.com do it today. Now, just when we thought the NBA offseason was officially, you know, off, you know, just a few handful of guys, marginal guys looking for contracts, you know, two million dollars here, mid-level exceptions there, two-way contracts type of signings. We get a bombshell as Kyrie Irving put out in the public that he wants to be traded out of Cleveland. Um, His contract situation is he has two years left. Um, LeBron has one year left. And, you know, everybody is basically reading the tea leaves that, with the Cavs' current front office situation that is in shambles. You know, LeBron is just going to take his services elsewhere. And then Kyrie doesn't want to be left holding the bag, so he's trying to make sure he gets himself positioned where he can get himself somewhere far, far away from the implosion that is coming to the Cleveland Cavs' impending doom. So, Tyler. Well, now, I'll actually start with Nabias this time. We'll go with Nabias. Nabias, is just this posturing from Kyrie it's, you know, for like next year, or is this like an immediate issue that Cleveland needs to address and try to make something happen? Well, you know, my, my life has taught me one thing, and it's business especially. If something gets out, it's because somebody wanted it out. The question is, why do they want it out? And that's what we, we don't know the answer yet. I mean, there could be, I can think about 10 different reasons why somebody wants this out. One, yeah, I mean, okay, the Cavs have a GM and Kobe Altman. I like Kobe. I've known Kobe since he was playing at um, Columbia. Smart guy, young dude, and he deserves his opportunity. The way he got it was messed up. Unfortunately, what the Cavs have shown is a history of not paying people. You know what I'm saying? So that's one. And, and I mean, they pay their players, but I'm talking about executives and GMs, and that matters to players because that shows how they'll be treated one day, right? So, I mean, players players are watching, they're paying attention, and they see how this organization works. They see how this organization rocks. 
and they see how Dan Gilbert gets down. So if you're Kyrie, you are looking, you are wondering, hey, am I in the right place? Are these people going to show me the love that I deserve? Or is it going to always be some BS? And he doesn't know, so yeah, he's exploring his options, and he's wise to do so. The question is, how did this get out? And obviously it came from Kyrie's people. And why did he want it out? I don't know yet, because could he be wanting He's got he's got a contract. He's got money. You know what I'm saying? The question is, will he be happy? I don't know if he's really that pressed on being the man as much as – and there is a little bit of friction with him and LeBron. There always has been. But, of course, what it boils down to is, are the Cavs the type of organization that are going to spend the money that needs to be spent for that team to be good for a long time? And, quite honestly, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Tyler, now I'll let you jump in. Just kind of your thoughts. Um, like, uh, if I say Cleveland's got, you know, their front office – is in less shambles than it was, but they've got a first-time GM uh, coming in. LeBron, you know, is on the verge of exiting. Just can can uh, Kobe Altman can he pick up the pieces and, and and convince these people to stay around and and keep Cleveland a force? Here's the issue. Uh, I'm gonna explain this in two parts. From Kyrie's PO point of view, Kyrie knows he has no leverage. So what's the best way to Assure yourself that you're going to get what you want. Put it out there now. Because that way, when teams know that they have, you have a two-year window to say, hey, this guy's available. This guy wants to play for you. What can you offer? So when you have the least amount of leverage, you need to know, you need to have other suitors put in their bids in now. Because who knows when you're going to get the best offer except the earliest offers. So that's that's one thing. That's one reason why it's probably out now. The second reason is that I have a suspicion that LeBron has given the team an idea of what of what he's going to do. The first sign was James Jones leaving and taking a front office job in all the way over in Phoenix, which is probably the second most dysfunctional organization besides the New York Knicks. So for him to go out there to get his first opportunity when he could have retired or even gone home to Miami to retire, something's up. This is uh, this news from Kyrie is another sign. I think LeBron is out. I think LeBron's going to play this season out as he responded to Kyrie by saying that's what he's going to do. And then he's gone. So Kyrie knows he's stuck. He has two years. Not only does he have two years, but he has a player option for the third year. So, he knows that he's got to get himself – in order for him to get out of Cleveland, he's got to get himself out there. Now, uh, with the new GM in tow, I think that the new GM is kind of handcuffed because Cleveland is already at the luxury tax level. I mean, they're, the only way that you can convince this team to stay together is if they make a run into the finals. You can't even say deep playoff run anymore. You have to say this team – has to be the number one team in the Easter Conference. They play. They have to play well together. And bottom line, they're going to have to beat their competition, whether it's Boston or uh, or the Washington Wizards. And more on that in a minute. Uh, Boston is staring them down. I mean, Boston upgraded. Boston has another a wing score finally in Gordon Haywood. Uh, they have also other pretty good defensive wings, and they really didn't have to give up that much for them. Uh, so. Washington is loaded as well. They got their big three with uh, Otto Porter signing and John Wall re-signing the Supermax deal yesterday. 
Um, John, there was a, there was a period there. Um, think about like two minutes left. You kind of you hit a shot, put him up by ten. A little back and forth between like you and Julio Jones and Quavo and and Gucci. What was going on there? What was going on? Yeah. I told him I was gonna get thirty five or more, and we was gonna win. And we did that for the culture. For the culture. <laughs> Hold on, let me get Jesse in right quick on that. Jesse, are you uh, super proud of John Wall getting his Supermax deal, even though he was still kind of, you know, trying to keep Otto Porter from getting his money? I mean, yes, John is. I'm very happy that John Wall got his, you know, got his veteran, his veteran exception deal. Um, you know, a man is an institution in D.C., although people don't want to talk about it like he is, you know, but it's well-deserved for the best point guard in the league. Well, if you want to. I don't know if you want to take that debate on, but for the best point guard in the league, definitely earned it in a team that is actually about making moves for once in their lives, you know, with Otto Porter and spending over $200 million. It's a great day. You guys, there's actually some optimism, even though no one's talking about it. It's great. All right. There you go. Washington Wizards fans seeing some bright, some upside, even though they don't have draft picks. They're signing the guys that they have drafted that are good, so. Well, let me let me go ahead and take that as a also as a Wizards fan. Uh, I'm happy about the signing as well. I'm happy they got Porter. They've got their big three locked up with Bradley Beal. But here is the potential problem. I'm gonna read you four sets of numbers, and then I will tell you how significant that is. 126, 126, 108, and 98. In terms of millions, that is the four year payroll for the Wizards over the next four seasons. So. This is what you got. I, you, I mean, you're already at the luxury tax level, obviously. Uh, Ted Leonsis has said that in his uh, press conference with Wall signing. Uh, yes, he's willing to spend, but he's going to have to spend some more at some point because yeah. last year proved that uh, one through five, they're fine. But after that, and mind you, they lost Bogdanovich. So there's gonna, there are going to be a lot of questions with the, with the Wizards bench particularly in the playoffs when even though your benches get shorter, the Wizards bench was too short and they had really no real chance to upset the Celtics at uh, on the road when it came down to a, a seven-game series. Uh, they just literally ran out of gas. So they need some bench help, and I really don't know how much <laughs> Leonsis wants to spend into the luxury tax and, of course, eventually a repeater tax in order to improve the bench and make a run at the Eastern Conference, which now I'm going to bring this full circle. The Wizards, the Celtics, those are the two teams that the Cavaliers have to worry about. How are And the Cavaliers are pretty much capped out too. So if they don't make the finals, I suspect a real serious breakup because you got a bunch of old veterans that still have some pretty decent or high cap numbers. So – are you going to trade? And you got really only two trade prospects that are going to get you an overhaul of picks and players, which would be one being Kyrie, which is there's your trade, and of course Kevin Love, who's older and who has an even larger contract deal. So uh, Cleveland's in, a, in an interesting little bind here, and we're just going to have to wait and see what happens at the trading deadline in twenty uh, in twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Now speaking of trading, the Knicks have blocked the proposed trade of sending Carmelo to the Rockets. So for now, that particular deal is dead. Um, doesn't look like Carmelo is going to get out of this deal for this year. It looks like he's just going to have to 
be the model citizen and just, you know, keep his trade value high, show up, do the things he needs to do. So, you know, when things do change, he can get his choice to go wherever he wants. Um, Nabias, do you actually see Carmelo getting to where he wants in time to still be an impact player for Houston, if that's the final destination or if it's in two years, the Lakers, when LeBron is, you know, trying to do whatever he wants to do out in L.A. or wherever his next destination is going to be? Well, I mean, Camo's got the old man game, right? I mean, so I, I, he's got the jump shot. I mean, he's never been exactly the most athletic player in the league. So I think his game will age well. Like, I okay. He's a guy I ain't worried about, man. I think his game ages well. I think he'll be fine. He just needs to be, he needs to be somewhere we can win. That's it. All right. All right. So now we'll move on to some NFL as we had some more off-the-field stuff. As first off, we had guys getting in trouble. As we had Pac-Man Jones caught that one-game suspension for some off-field stuff he got last year. Considering Pac-Man Jones' his fat record, that's pretty light, but that is one starter that's taken off the field for opening day for the Bengals. We had Dante Fowler. Uh, he had some road rage incidents, and uh, he basically got angry at a man, basically pulled him out of his car, pulled the man's groceries out of his car, threw the man's groceries into a lake, and stomped on the man's glasses while he was down on the ground. And then uh, the gift that keeps on giving, if you're an NFC East fan, Ezekiel Elliott, um, he's at it again. He's, you know, speeding, beating up uh, bouncers. Um, all the while, the NFL is still waiting to try to, you know, dole out his punishment for his uh, alleged uh, abuse, uh, domestic abuse charges. So, you know, anybody who wants to jump in, just talk about, you know, Again, NFL right here before training camp, guys getting in trouble, going to get into the you know disciplinary process and how it gets doled out. So we'll start with you, um, Tyler, this time again, since you're the biggest Dallas Cowboy fan on the panel. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is really, you know, taking a chance with messing up your season with these uh, constant incidents that he's getting into. So just kind of what was your, your advice be? And um, he should have been listening to Dak Prescott, it seems like. Well, uh, it, it's gotten to the point where you're gonna have to treat him like Des Bryant and give him maximum, uh, give him a security detail at all costs. Um, as as of course, <laughs> the uh, the situation got a little another interesting turn when the two key witnesses, including the man that was supposedly struck, uh, has not been cooperating with police. Apparently, there's there's some some magic going on, and Matt, and interestingly enough, the Dallas police is not going to pursue the case anymore with this uh, nightclub incident. Meanwhile, I've got to the point where I, I'm not a person that tells anybody whether or not they should stay in their house or at home, but I'm about as close as I can with Ezekiel right now because it's just too the streets are too hot. Um, He's, he's still technically under investigation with the NFL. Matter of fact, they're expecting a two-game suspension minimum to uh, dealing with his case in going back to his case with Ohio State. Uh, but at the same time, the Dallas Cowboys are nothing but a police blotter going back to his, as uh, their their times in the when they were winning Super Bowls, and they had the there's NFL a direct Warriors. correlation there. There's a, direct, there's a direct correlation there, sir. Uh, matter of fact, it's so direct that the cap that the 
uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram's leading Cowboys beat writer is actually connecting that story in his last uh, editorial this week, uh, saying that maybe with the trouble that Dallas is, has been in over the last few weeks, this could lead to a pattern of them sticking together and being great. And I, I'm just looking at, I'm really reading, am I in the Twilight Zone? Am I really reading that these people, these guys are going to be great because their their behavior mirrors the guys of the 90s? I mean, we're talking about hall, we're talking about multiple Hall of Famers, some the greatest of greatest of all time at their positions at uh, in Dallas at the time. It had nothing to do with the so-called uh, you know the the infamous White House or anything of that nature. It's just that those guys were good on the field and they were just better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. My mood on Ezekiel is is just like everybody else. The Cowboys, I'm I'm rated as a fan um, because you can't win games when your best players aren't on the field. Mind you, we got the blotter here. Uh, David Irving, who's has already been suspended for the first four games of 2017 for using a banned supplement. Irving was literally the Cowboys' best player last season. Even though you had a small sample size, he registered as the most impactful defensive player, even ahead of Sean Lee. So that's a huge loss. And and on top of that, Irving's a pass rusher at end, which is easily the weakest point in Dallas's defense, literally in the past five years. So losing him is, is massive. Uh, another position that's been decimated with injuries and defections, uh, cornerback Nolan Carroll was arrested in May on a charge of DWI, which automatically puts him on the verge of being suspended. So that's already two big parts of your defense that you're not going to have for a minimum a game, maybe maximum four or five. So, you know, there's only 16 in the season. Then you look at uh, look at another – Damian Wilson was arrested on, uh, on 4th of July, aggravated assault. Uh, you can't forget Gre- Randy Gregory, who may never put on a Dallas uniform again. He's automatically going to be seen as a bust. And that's that's a shame because he's extremely talented. And, of course, you have Greg Hardy. So Dallas is filling up police blotters more than they are filling holes in in the, uh, you know, filling holes in the defense. So I'm concerned. I'm absolutely concerned. And considering that all of the NFC East opponents have upgraded their offenses, I mean, Dallas is going to have some issues. So uh, we just like we're going to wait and see, but. It's it's a definite cause for concern. I mean, the level is probably at yellow right now. Now we had an interesting move by the Carolina Panthers as they parted ways with their GM Dave Gettleman, and they rehired on an interim basis their former GM Marty Herney. So Jessica, as a team whose general manager is kind of you know look, y'all are looking at Ozzy a little shaky, this was pretty bold, don't you think? Week before training camp to just say, okay, you're up out of here. Yeah, but this is also a dude who's firing his own sons because he's like, if y'all don't get it straight while I'm alive, you know, y'all might be out here looking crazy after I'm dead. So I feel, I think the Carolina Panthers have been very, you know, inclined to keep it within the family as much as they possibly can. Was it a wise move to fire some your GM right before training camp? No, but, you know, look at another team who without a GM this summer also looking crazy. It's wait, training. Wait, 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 what are you trying to say? I mean, I said, I said what I said. Everything was all good until they put that letter out. We were actually <laughs> doing things correctly until they put the letter out. That was the 
dumbest. Correctly, thing. they gave the man a franchise a franchise tag two years in a row. That's not, that's not doing things correctly. Well, if the man doesn't want to take our long term <laughs> deal, that's fine. We'll pay the franchise tag two years in a row. You just don't disclose all the information. For somebody who, as we're talking about the Redskins and Bruce Allen and Kirk Cousins now, as someone who made their money being a marketing and a PR guy, Dan Snyder has no idea how to do it in sports. Because no. every every time this comes up, he tries to be transparent in a way that shows like, hey, this is what we tried to do. But it just makes it so, it comes off so off-putting whenever he does it. And it's just like, ugh, make you look even worse. So that's that. Lady hey. on Bell. Like I said, yeah, oh, go step hey. device. Well, not real, real quick, man. All right. I, I get what Tyler's saying, but it's going to be what it's going to be, bro. And what I mean by that is. On Zeke? Yeah, on Zeke. I mean, look, I, I personally think they're kind of on a witch hunt with him right now. And I think, because again, the NFL's trying to prove that it's tough on crime, particularly when it comes to domestic violence. Domestic violence is a serious thing, it's a thing where people have talked about boycotting. The NFL's trying to best protect his image. I wish it would do more in actuality to protect his image more than these fake witch hunts on something they don't have no proof on. But if they had proof, they'd have been the told us what it was, or we'd have been seeing the video or whatever to show that this man did something that was indeed bastard. Because they hadn't showed us that, I, I really don't believe he, he did anything wrong in that situation. But yeah, I mean, true, the block is also hot as well. He also is or has put himself in situations that make it tough to I guess, for lack of a better words, cake for him. He has made it very hard to defend his actions and deeds because, yeah, he does some. He, he puts himself in some bad situations. Like, it's like Tyler said, I don't ever want to tell a man to stay home, but he will have to figure some kind of way, some kind of way to not get into those situations himself, you know. But as far as the rest of it goes, I can't give him but such a hard time. I think the Cowboys are going to be what they're going to be. Either they're going to be good or they're not, you know. And I think we're going to know sooner than later how good they're going to be. I think they got a chance to do some damage this year. They'll be fine, man. I, man, I, like I said, they're, they're, they're going to be all right. <laughs> they're going to be all right. All right. And uh, somebody who we all used to cape for, but the cape got snatched off this week, Michael Vick. Uh, he was out on the uh, Fox F- F- FS1 show with uh, Jason Whitlock, and they you know, got to talking about Kaepernick and of course, the topic comes up, what Kaepernick needs to do to get himself, you know, back into the league and get a job. And Michael Vick says, you know, Kaepernick needs to cut his hair to help change his image. And, of course, you can imagine the firestorm of negativity that that brought down upon Michael Vick uh, because, you know, that was totally not the issue of why Kaepernick isn't in the NFL right now. So just kind of everybody is just like, you know, what has happened to Michael Vick, you know, but I think that Michael Vick just two different agendas. You know, the thing that happened to Michael Vick and his issues are totally different than Colin Kaepernick and his issues. So there's a different navigation of how they have to go about doing what they need to do to get back in the league. Colin Kaepernick just needs to keep doing what he's doing and, you know, just keep showing people for who they are because their true colors are showing every day that he doesn't have a job and somebody far less talented gets a job. That wasn't quite the case when Michael Vick was on his outs. Michael Vick was just needed an opportunity to show people that he was trustworthy and that you could count on him again. Cap doesn't have any of those issues right now. So, Jesse, I'll just let you, you know, comment on just Michael Vick's comment as a whole and just kind of your thoughts and feelings about the whole Kaepernick situation. Well, um, essentially, uh, you know, uh, we 
black men have been telling. Okay, first of all, I'm not going to say I agree with him cutting his hair. I mean, no, like you shouldn't cut his hair because he didn't do anything wrong. Just because his hair is an afro does not preclude him from having a job. I don't really want to demonize Michael Vick as, oh my God, he's so wrong. He fucked us. He didn't do anything. But look at the lengths that our people have had to take just to lay, oh, you should wear your hair in black. You shouldn't have your hair braided. You should cut your hair. I feel like we've been telling our sons and daughters this for generations. And yes, there is a trauma element for Michael Vick's like, perspective that, you know, wore his hair in cornrows. He didn't have, he was making a whole lot of money, you know, and just for jersey sales because he wasn't really affiliated with anyone. And then, you know, we got busted for dog fighting. Then he had to, you know, make a hard contrition and penance to everyone, you know, dog lovers of America just to, you know, get a backup job back in the NFL, which he eventually got because he had to cut, you know, when, when we saw him in court, he cut his hair and he did what he had to do. He played to the games that everyone wanted to play. So from his, from the way I see it, he's, speaking from what he had to do in order to get a job. Now, do I agree with it? Absolutely not, but that's what we, you know, cutting yourself, you know, cutting your, your blackness away to get a job is something we've all heard from someone in one shape or another. It's sad that it has to happen, but... Mm-hmm. Now, Nabias, you know, Michael Vick, you know, is Mr. ATL. You know, there is no city in America that has ever grabbed onto an athlete and held him up even through his bad times as Michael Vick. So, you know, you being the Atlanta native here, just kind of talk about, you know, how the Michael Vick comments hit you and, you know, your take on it. Well, I mean, look, I, I was covering sports in the city when that happened. And I know of some people who livelihoods were affected by defending Michael Vick. I, I can name a couple of radio hosts that you guys probably know. I, I don't want to put their names out there, but if you know the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about, whose careers have forever been altered because they defended Mike Vick to the end. I mean, to the point to where some would say these gentlemen have been blackballed and they were once snatched your syndicated radio hosts. And <laughs> that being said, I know well, some other people. That's obvious. Well, I mean, hey, man, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, hey, hey man, you know, put, put, you can put together whatever you want to put together. I'm just saying that, you know, there's some people who have, who have been affected by Michael Vick because they defended him. To see him go out like that, I mean, it hurt. I ain't going to lie, it hurt. But, I mean, the game's the game, and I think part of it is, you know, he's trying to get that. Um, he's try- Like I said, he's, he wants to be in coaching, obviously. He's trying to get those opportunities. And, you know, I believe that he's being told or has been told that, you know, this is how you get those opportunities. I mean, you know, I, I don't like it, but I kind of understand it. It's just unfortunate that, you know, he did that to – he did that to Colin because now people are always going to say, well, see, you know, the other black guy said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Tyler, did you get your thoughts in on just the whole the Kaepernick situation, if you want, or the Michael Vick comments concerning it? Um, when it, when the news broke of what he said, my, uh, my whole mantra behind this at first was, uh, you know, I, we got some rebuttal, even from some uh, – some black people via Twitter that, you know, maybe cutting his hair isn't a bad thing. You know, we, you know, we've all had to, had to, you know, not necessarily all, but we've had to do it at some point to change, you know, to, to get a job. And I'm like, first of all, my, in Michael Vick's case, Michael Vick was on a redemption slash apology tour. What does Colin Kaepernick have to apologize for? I mean, is it because, he wants to make a, a 
will change. The second, uh, football players wear helmets. So you're not even going to see – what does his hair have to do with his performance on the field besides maybe even getting tackled from behind because that's a legal move? So once I said football players wear helmets, I was pretty much done with it because <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's hair has nothing to do with why he does not have a job right now. I mean – Dan Orlovsky, who quarterbacked a team to a winless record. So I'm, I'm to the point where I just, I'm just going to keep my foot down and say that, number one, I didn't agree with Vic simply because you cannot compare the situations. Number two, Colin has nothing to apologize for because he's actually standing up for what he believes in. Number three, uh, Kaepernick has been criticized as unpatriotic, which absolutely false. Uh, he's even said so himself. Uh, he, military people have actually stood up and stood up and stood with Kaepernick for what he was saying. Uh, this is that the military have received for decades after returning home has been not only documented in various forms of media, but to say it now that they can't even get proper care after returning home from from war. So I just feel that you want to change the symbol his hair, but at the same time, you know, and and you know that Colin is going to keep fighting his message. So that is why he doesn't have a job. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think that you know the NFL basically they're so closely tied with in the game of football, so closely tied with this military. Everything's a distraction that isn't all about the football. So you know, if a guy wants to wear yellow shoes every game. They consider that a distraction. So, of course, in the camp, in the circles that they want to do, anybody who's like that, they try to punish them to make an example of them and to use that as their governing mechanism. So, okay, you want to be the outspoken one? Fine. You'll be outspoken. You got away with it. You were inside the the, the camp. You infiltrated us, and now you're outspoken, and you're going to be outspoken for a whole season. Well, just so happened we can release you and do whatever we want anytime we want. So now here you go, you're released. And now nobody wants to pick you up because, you know, hit, hit, nudge, nudge. He's fighting against our, you know, our uniformity. You know, everybody's the same. Everybody's nameless, faceless, except for the patches on the sides of the helmets and the colors. So, you know, that's been the NFL's game. That's football's game, college, pro, to make everybody an android. And for the sake of putting their careers and livelihoods on the line, you don't say anything. You don't have any politics or any leanings outwardly because you're, quote unquote, the distraction. And if you're too big of a distraction, they will figure a way to make you no longer exist in their league. And still award your former team as the team, as a humanitarian team of the year. Right. And this is just not, um, you know, just a football thing. I mean, Craig Hodges, uh, Abdul, Abdul uh, Raouf from uh, Denver back in the day, you know, two guys who were very outspoken, um, you know, about, you know, things that going on in black America and David Stern got him up out of there. Mahmoud still is. And he actually, uh, as part of the big three promotion, he uh, on Jim Rome a week before he played his first game and talked about how he is an emphatic supporter mm-hmm. of Colin Kaepernick. And it's part of the reason why he, he suited up to play in the big three so he can carry on that message. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just don't think that, you know, Colin Kaepernick is the latest and it's more visible because of social media and more eyes can be on it. But we've had guys that have tried to be, you know, social justice um, 
champions inside of pro sports in the modern era. And, you know, each time it's been suppressed instead of uplifted. And I don't understand why it's such a, it would be such a positive marketing ploy PR uh, move. I mean, but you know, eyes. you know why, you know why. They don't want freedom. They don't want that shit to be fair. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, right, of course, right, anybody right. trying to step up and do anything, they're going to always shut that shit down. I mean, but you know, they don't have no problem with Tom Brady having yeah. the MAGA hat. They don't have no problem with, you know, um, the owner of the Patriots. Uh, you know what I'm no problem with him hanging out with Trump. They have no problem with the Ryan brothers hanging out with Trump. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dog. It, like this, we, it, we talk about politics. I say, oh, shit, the sports. But the reason why we do the national anthem is politics. Like, come on, man. Like Chris, because, Chris Christie hanging out in the booth with Jerry Jones, who's the most powerful man. Yeah, in like, come on, dog. Like, I mean, the game's the game, and I mean, and that's cool. Like, and, and and I'm not, by the way, and I'm not saying Robert Kraft and those guys can't have their political leanings because they should. They should be able to. They should be able to put their money wherever they want to when it comes to political, their politics, or what they believe in. They should be able to, but don't stifle me. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, like I said, it's going to, you know, it's training camp. Injuries happen. Um, you know, last year, like the third day, Teddy Bridgewater had maybe a career-ending injury in training camp. So, you know, quarterbacks are going to go down. And, you know, the pickings are slim. And Colin Kaepernick, it should be at the top of everybody's list. So we'll see who steps up and is in great enough need that the quote-unquote distraction is not bigger than we don't have any quarterbacks and we need somebody who can play. So at this point, we'll open it up to everybody's final thoughts. So, Jesse, if you have any type of final thought, Um. share them with the people. Sure. Mine is not going to really be sports related today. So this morning, um, if you live in the D.C. area, I'm sure you resonate a lot with what I'm saying. So I woke up this morning, read my timeline, I read news, unfortunate news that Jim Vance has passed away this morning. Um, grew up with the man, you know, and grew up with the man just how he delivers the news and how, you know, everyone connected with him. Not that, like, K Street, I'm a politician out here to shake everybody's hands kind of connection, but you no, know, everybody who lived like he's just a main staple through DC, just telling you how it is and how DC especially has undergone such a change in the demographics and who lives here and how, you know, the life of everyday watch like people in the area have, you know, it's been so deeply impacted. How deeply ingrained he is with the community, how much of a you know immoral compass he can be. Like I remember, I, was, I remember this one time he was talking about how growing up he never liked the name of the Washington, the you know the mascot, the Washington football team. How he, although he loves the team, he wants better for you know the you know that football team. And the fact that he's passed away so suddenly, well, he's been sick, yes, but the fact that he's passed has touched people in such a ways that connection from you know growing up majorly black. DC and the outer suburbs being the demographic change and how he kind of connected that is this big loss and peace in his family and during this hard time. Right, right. Yeah, a big shout out and uh, condolences to the family of Jim Vance. Like you said, yeah, if you go to DC and watch the news at any time, you've definitely seen him on your, you know, especially got family there on 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 the t- television screens there. So um, definitely I'm gonna throw some clips up on the KTS pod just to show but it's 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 a sad day Tobias, um your final thoughts sir geez i mean where do i start man so much so many things have happened so many things have gone on but you know um 
I, I kind of want to get back on OJ a little bit. You know, we always have to remember that just because we don't like a person doesn't mean that due process shouldn't be followed. Do I believe he killed Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman on that night? Yes, I do. But the bottom line is this crime that he was charged for in Las Vegas, he should not have been charged for so long. He should not have been sentenced so long. And even though he probably is a deplorable human being, we still have to be careful on how we watch things and how we view things and how we treat people. Because you never know when it might be you in that situation, you know, looking and facing a crime and somebody says they don't like you. Or you might be that person that one day is asking a timeline for some money for a situation. So, you know, just be careful how you treat people and how you interact with people. And just because you don't like a person doesn't mean that they don't deserve the same things that you do. All right. Tyler, your final thoughts? Uh, this week was uh, it was interesting, to say the least, whether it be on social media, uh, out in the sports world, uh, out in the entertainment world, as you saw where this, uh, several entertainers were docked because of their, um, their social transgressions, including some that, that are very well loved in the community. Um, and we even had a, a lead singer of a band uh, commit suicide which was which was very very sad um so as you look at i don't consider social media to be a platform where there's white noise because i believe that words mean things uh i wouldn't be here talking right now on this show if it were if it weren't for social media um i think that we need to keep things in perspective i believe that social media is the wave to where we get the news um, more importantly, it's the way to get opinions, to get perspectives. And I'm using I'm using the plural forms for that for reasons, because you're not going to see one point of view on things because of social media. And that's important, too. I know we use the got to look got to look at both sides as a derogatory term. But in reality, we really do have to look at things through more than one viewpoint. Um, because if we don't, we can't be better people. We can't improve. We can't change. Uh, this world isn't perfect. This world is sometimes can be pretty bad. Uh, we have good days and bad days uh, in our personal lives. The world has good days and bad days, too. I believe that through our character and through how we how we treat social media and what we decide to post and what we decide to read and what we decide to have an opinion on is pretty important, important now than ever before. I mean, you get people, people get fired for what they say on social media now. So it really does affect livelihoods. So I think that when we are on social media and using these great platforms, we need to be just a bit more careful in what we decide to say, or if we want to say such opinions, be prepared for the response and be prepared to know that you, your opinion is not necessarily the only opinion in the world. And also be prepared to back up your opinion with facts because a weak opinion can sway a weak mind. So back everything up with what you said, with facts and concrete proof with, with your opinion, because that makes you, not only does it make you sound more intelligent, but it also may get a person to sway things and believe in things and consider your way of doing things and make them a better person. That's what I have. 
Alright. And on that note, I'm gonna just say follow the show at KCS Pod. Um, you can also download us at www.cspn.us. So for my co-host, that's so just Tyler Ball and the Bias Wilbon. I'm Don DeLorente, and now you know the score. Mm-hmm.